Greetings once again, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Why We Geek for August of 2017. I know things are a little late right now, but if you've been following the events on my channel, uh, you'll know exactly why. Or if you've been following the events of the podcast, you'll know exactly why. But we're officially caught up as of right now, at least in, when I get this up. Uh, but this, welcome to Why We Geek, the show where we take a particular facet of geek culture and just analyze it, show our love for it, show our passion, maybe even talk the negatives. We have done that in the past, but most of the time we're going to be sticking to the positives here. And tonight we have, uh, yeah, I'm recording this tonight. Sorry. And tonight we have a unusual or a, not a, a game per se, not a, a movie, not an anime. We have a series of games, which is funny because last month we covered a series of games, which will probably never get an anniversary ever again. But this one is going to be celebrating yet another one. In fact, it's 25th this year. We're a little we're a little early on it, but we're going to try and celebrate uh, everything that is Sonic the Hedgehog. And of course, I am not alone. Uh, obviously, I do a panel of three usually for these episodes and we only go for about an hour. Uh, but let's go ahead and introduce the panel that I have. First of all, it's basically the uh, the Geek News panel because all of these people have shown interest and passion in Sonic the Hedgehog. So first of all, let's introduce Stephen Romney of Studio Ghost Utah. Romney, how you doing tonight? Aside from, you know, the sniffles. I'm doing fairly well, kind of getting over a pretty nasty bug that set my own projects back considerably. But luckily, I'm on the mend and able to talk again. So I'm able to be here tonight. This is what happens when we speak ill of Castlevania, and uh, that that's what because because here's the way that this is going to work in the timeline is you guys will know that the July episode is Castlevania and then today is Sonic the Hedgehog. So at that point, we spoke ill of Castlevania and that's what happened. Unfortunately, Romney inherited. Uh, unfortunately, Romney, Romney inherited Dracula's curse. Well, that, that and eating the wall chicken probably didn't help. It probably didn't. It probably didn't. And also the, the holy water that lights on fire. Yeah, that didn't help either. Yeah, do, do not use it as a seasoning. Bad idea. No, no, no. It's it's really not a garnish. It's really not. Uh, and of course, we're also being joined by the Shadow Blazer himself, Alex Short. How are you doing tonight, Alex? Because we're going to be talking about a wonderful subject for you. Yeah, I'm quite excited. Technically, we're actually a year late. The 25th anniversary was 2000. Oh, so this is 2016. The, this would be the 26th. Yes, we're 20. As of we are 26 years. Uh, as, as of, of June. As of June. Okay, and just making sure on the days. So yes, we are okay. We're celebrating the 26th anniversary. My apologies. See, this is why I brought the Shadow Blazer on. He can figure out all of these Sonic details for me. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm sure we have uh, material that the Shadow Blazer is going to be awesome or is going to be more than awesome to talk about. And I can't think of a better way to start this than the way I usually do with why we geek episodes. And that is your first contact with the Sonic the Hedgehog series and what made you come. To, what what about that made you come to love it? So um, and so I've actually you know what? I usually start these things off, but. I'm going to hand it over to what I've actually put in my own videos to be the truly passionate Sonic fan here. So Shadow Blazer, what was your first exposure to the Sonic the Hedgehog series? And then what about it made you made, made you just come to love it as much as you do? Well, my first exposure was Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Genesis. I don't remember all the exact details because I was still pretty young at that time. I don't know even how old I was back then, you know, probably anywhere from four to six years old, maybe hard to say. I don't remember the exact details where, where we got it, who got it, you know, cause I have an old, I have an older brother who could also buy video games under his own power. I'm sure by that point, I had an older sister. I don't think she was quite old enough to, you know, go out and shop on her own, but we also had parents. Well, but 60 bucks was had... also expensive back in the day. So yeah. I mean, adjusted for inflation now, that's quite a bit of money. So, but we had the Sega, but we did, we had the Sega Genesis. We also had the Sega Master System, but yeah, we were kind of a Sega family for a while before we got our SNES at some point. And I got it on the Sega Genesis. Uh, my sister really did most of the playing at first. I mostly just kind of watched and I observed what she did and I would pick it up when I could. And I slowly but surely learned how to play it for myself. Okay, so yeah, that's a little interesting. So you you let her kind of 
teach you how to play it. And especially considering when you look at Sonic, uh, it's not necessarily the most advanced of gameplay. All right. It, it's not like, you know, six buttons of framework. It's it's pretty it's almost as simple as Mario. I would say it's it's a little bit more complex because you have a speed mechanic, too. But you, you yeah. let her do the you job. Know, it and is it, very intuitive. So so did you yeah, absolutely did you eventually play Sonic yourself or did you did you like was your first picking up uh, like Sonic 2 or something? I'm pretty sure it was the original that I picked up and played on my own when uh, I really kind of got the hang of it. You know, I mean, this was decades ago, so everything's really fuzzy, but that's a, to the best of my recollection. I can recall playing Sonic the Hedgehog, then playing Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in that particular order. Do you remember by chance what like exactly drew you in to watch it? Was it just it was colorful or that it it, it looked know, fun or anything like that? I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. It's bright. It's flashy. It's a video game. I was young, so video games were interesting to me. You know, and again, just watching my older sister play it because I all because she and I would always play video games together or I would just watch her play video games from time to time. Just I was always around video games with her at some usually in the proximity. So it's just sort of like she plays it. I'm going to play it. Okay. Um, I guess I'll go uh, I'll go next on that one. Uh, my first exposure to Sonic the Hedgehog was a little bit later um, than the original. I actually didn't get my first access to Sonic the Hedgehog until Sonic 2. And the reason we didn't was because way back when, way ba- how many people actually remember this point? Um, Blockbuster Video or uh, a couple of other rental stores wouldn't just let you rent games. They would let you rent consoles. And uh, in particular, we didn't go the Blockbuster route because it was expensive. It was expensive as hell. You actually had to put a credit card down. So just in case you damaged the console, you paid for it kind of thing. So we went to a a little mom and pop shop uh, right next to Blockbuster called Gamer's Edge. And they didn't necessarily put the credit down, but you did have to pay a little bit more to rent the system. And that's uh, that was actually a really great way for us to get access to not only the Sega Genesis at the time, but also the TurboGrafx-16. Because uh, we actually played a lot of that too. We played the Sega CD that way. We played the uh, the Turbo Graphics CD that way as well. And my first exposure was Sonic Two when we rented uh, the Sega Genesis, and they had a bun- they had a bundle going on at that time where if you purchased it, you got no, you got Sonic Two. You purchased Sonic Two, but you also got Sonic One for free. And so we played Sonic Two, and we and our family absolutely loved it, and. That in turn led to us getting Sonic One as well, and then we we just got I got immersed in the series. My my older siblings kind of uh, trailed off. They weren't they were gone after about three. And the thing that obviously brought me in was it was to me at, le- at least in my perception as a kid it was Mario Advanced uh, because it it wasn't just Mario because you did mess around with platforms, but you were doing it faster. And to me, for some weird reason, that clicked as this is Mario hard mode. And so at that point, I I played I, I became like this diehard Sonic fan and never touched Mario for, for a long, long while because I was gonna play the hardcore console, right? I was gonna play the advanced console and I and I knew that I was a good gamer because I could master Sonic the Hedgehog too. Alex is flabbergasted at this point. <laughs> He's never heard the story. But uh, that, that's no, what I haven't. I'm surprised. That's basically what happened. And people will will notice over the show that like young, young, young Drac compared to old Drac was, well, off in his own little world. Let's just put that. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so that was kind of my first exposure. And like and obviously my reason for playing it was I was hurt. Do you see now why I'm not hurt Kerr anymore? Uh, and also Stephen Romney. So what was your first exposure to the Sonic series? And then what was it that brought you in and kept you a Sonic fan? All right. Well, I'm kind of the young buck in this scenario where I came into the series even later. However, my first exposure wasn't actually through the games. It was through the cartoons, oddly enough. I didn't actually see Sonic Sat AM, but I did see the other Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. That was when I first heard of the character. And then you're talking the weekday afternoon series. Uh, yes. Or at least in my case, it was weekday morning because it would play in the mornings on some of the programming blocks. It was just one of those. It wasn't really on a block. I regularly watched. I wasn't like a religious fan of it. It was just one of those. Oh, it's usually on ahead of a show that I actually want to watch, 
was usually the arrangement. The first time I actually got into the games wasn't until a little bit later on. This would be put it around early 2000s. Now, here's how it actually started. Some of you may recall back when, well, back when kids programming blocks on Saturday mornings were a thing that almost every network had, there was one called the Fox Box. And one of the contests they had was, oh, watch this block, write down all the code words, send it in, and you and the grand prize was $10,000. And so I was staying at my dad's house. It was, uh, it was for my younger brother's birthday. We were staying at my dad's house, and we were watching it. I was writing down all the code words so that way I could send it in. Filled out the envelope. My dad literally drove me to a post office so that I could put the envelope in. And my siblings were just like, oh yeah, you're never going to win anything. No one ever wins any of those. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks you later... You did not win! I Now, let me finish. I did not win the grand <laughs> prize. I did not win the $10,000. Okay. But okay. this was still a moment of vindication where they said, oh yeah, you're not going to win anything. No one wins anything. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, I get a letter from 4Kids Entertainment, the company that ran the Fox Block block, you know, back when they actually did some decent stuff. And I get this letter saying, oh, guess what? You, like, oh, guess what? You didn't win the grand prize, but you just won the first prize. And what was first prize? Games based on all of the shows they showed on the Fox Box. So that included the Ultimate Muscle, Legends vs. New Generation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for PS2, Kirby, Nightmare in Dreamland, and Sonic Adventure DX. Now, that was the first Sonic game I actually sat down to play, and as someone who had kind of had passing knowledge, I knew of the games. My family was very much a Nintendo family, so we hadn't really played them. I mean, I tried, like, a, a Dreamcast version of it once at a Nickelcade, because they had, like, a Dreamcast embedded that you would put nickels in to, to basically play for, like, a few minutes. And so I got Sonic Adventure DX, and when I started playing it... <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> the two things that drew me to it I mean first there was the sense of speed so I guess actually three things the first was the sense of speed the fast pace of the level design the second thing was the cast of characters because Sonic Adventure had not just Sonic you played as Sonic, Knuckles, Tails one of my favorite kind of forgotten characters E-102 Gamma and then to kind of dovetail into the third thing the thing that really made me stick with the series was the music. I mean, imagine as a kid, you beat, you played through all the different characters, and then you suddenly see, oh, what's this supersonic level? And so you play it, you see the cutscene, and then as you're getting ready to fight Final Chaos, you hear the... It was just, it was mind-blowing. Yeah, no, no kidding. I mean, uh, I, I've said it numerous times on me and Alex's YouTube channel that Adventure will always be one of my favorite Sonic 3D games, and it's it's because of the music that, that did that. I mean, I'm not even the biggest fan of rap, and and I actually like the knuckles themes, uh, the knuckles theme from that. So I completely understand that one. But I I think Alex, we now need to hand the hat over to Romney because he's. It sounds like he's luckier than me at this point. <laughs> okay, yeah, we might was, need to do that. Well, yeah, it was just funny. Like when I got that letter, like my older brother and sister were just like, "Oh, you're never gonna win anything." And so as soon as I got that, I just literally went ha ha ha. And I literally got the games. Granted, the only game out of all of the ones I won that I still have is Sonic Adventure DX, mainly because Ninja Turtles lost interest, Ultimate Muscle got old really fast. We had, like, three other copies of Nightmare in Dreamland already, and so Sonic Adventure DX is the one I still have. <laughs> and I remember a couple of years down the line, I had almost kind of like a Sonic-themed birthday one year. I don't know if it was I was in high school or junior high, where my siblings basically got me, like, three other Sonic things. I got Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, and then I got the Sonic Mega Collections and played the crap out of those, although I still have yet to get all A-ranks on Sonic Adventure 2 Battle because that stupid car level is impossible. <laughs> it's okay. I've never gotten all the A-ranks myself either. Not without cheating, anyway. Yes, and that... and So, yeah, from there, after the... Between the music of the games and then the fast-paced gameplay, I was hooked. First, then came Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, then we got Sonic Heroes shortly after it came out, and then there was the Dark Times. Yes, yes, there were indeed the Dark Times. We're not going to talk about the Dark Times just yet, though. Uh, so, so Alex, you know, sheath your sword for a second. We'll, we'll probably get to those, because unfortunately, being a Sonic fan, you have to talk about the Dark Times. 
but uh before we do that so now that people know where we got into the series um what would you consider to be your favorite in the series like and i'll even let you expand if you want to do a 2d favorite and a 3d favorite um but yeah your favorite game overall and why it is your favorite in the series like what what did that game do in particular that made you feel like that was that was where sonic needed to go uh for me it was it's fairly simple uh my favorite 2D one, and I'm not I'm not going to count in the modern ones just because I'm going to say, like, let's go full retro. In my case, you guys can do that if you want. Um, I'm going to say Sonic 3 uh, and Knuckles because simply that, I think, was the... With Sonic 1, you could see they had a base design in mind. With Sonic 2, you could see that they, were, they, pushed, the, they pushed the bar a little bit. And Sonic 3, they pushed it to the absolute maximum that I felt like it could have gotten on the genesis like if they had done a sonic 4 it literally would have been a rinse lather repeat of sonic 3 to me so i will always say like my favorite 2d sonic game is sonic 3 and knuckles and then my favorite 3d game i just barely said it it's sonic adventure the um and in particular like i don't i'm not, I'm not saying that there's a difference between sonic adventure dx and and the original but i'm gonna say the dreamcast version because you know what i'm gonna give a nod to that damn console it does not get enough love anymore uh, I, I mean, it does at Evo, but it's it doesn't get that much love on YouTube or anything like that. And and so, I mean, and plus my first exposure to Sonic Adventure was on the Dreamcast. So, Alex, your favorite, you could do a 2D, 3D, I'll, I'll let you do that, and you could pick the ones, but what was your favorite Sonic game in the series? Yes, uh, like like you, this is a two two split between two eras. My favorite of the 2D era, like you, is also Sonic 3 Knuckles. For me, as I'm still a fairly young kid, because I think that game was like 94, 95, so I wasn't terribly old, like maybe 8 or 9 or so. And actually a little less, but so it just, that was like, whoa, blew my own mind here. Well, for one, I could play it a lot more simply and easily because it had a save feature where Sonic 1 and 2 didn't. You'd always have to enter a cheat code if you wanted to jump around in stages and with sonic 3 knuckles having the the save function was so much so much easier as a godsend for me because being still young i could only sit and play games for so long before my parents would say okay you've had enough game time go turn it off and please go outside and play so it's like okay now i can come back to these stages whenever i want and i can keep playing them all i want so and just seeing like the sort of first basic attempts of kind of tell storytelling in a very basic platform game, because even though we had a SNES, I'm pretty sure by this time we didn't have any like the RPGs. So the idea of storytelling in video games to me was mind blowing and it was so groundbreaking and amazing. I've just never seen anything like it because I because I hadn't I hadn't seen most of my games most of the games we had were you know we had maybe like F Zero I think we had Super Mario World we didn't have many games so then most of them were like platforming games or like old eight bit era retro games like I know we had like Wonder Boy three on Sega Master System so so I was mostly a platform guy and so Sonic Three Knuckles was the one to really ex expand my mind a little bit and. Now into the 3D era, Sonic Adventure 2 still is, to date, my very favorite of the, all the 3D games. Some have probably come close enough, but Adventure 2 still holds the special place in my heart. Call it nostalgia if you must, but I still love it. I still love every facet of it. I love the treasure hunting stages. Most people don't. I love the mech stages. Most people don't. I love the rock soundtrack. I love... The Knuckles rap soundtrack a little bit, too. Mostly it's a lot of the rock, the techno. Just everything about it is such a fun game. You know, the story is a little cheesy and simple, but that's, again, part of the appeal and charm to me of that game. It's just, it's simple, but it's just a rocking, pardon the pun there, adventure. I think you need to live and learn from your mistakes here, Alex. And I'll hang on the edge of tomorrow. Yes. Okay, now that now that we've had that corny moment and uh, we made Romney giggle, Romney, your favorite in the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise? Yes. Well, unlike the other two, I'm not really going to do a 2D, 3D since my exposure was primarily with the 3D games. 
And while, I, and while Adventure does hold a place in my heart for a lot of nostalgia, it had a lot of good storytelling moments, at least to me, in terms of how games could tell its story. In terms of the game that, between all the Sonic games I've played, in terms of the ones that I would actually like to pick up and play when bored, that would have to go to Sonic Heroes. Now, I know it, the game itself isn't perfect, it does have its flaws, but in terms of actually trying to find a new direction, a way to experiment with the platforming layout, especially with the team-switching mechanic between speed, power, and flight, I thought that was actually a pretty cool mechanic. Some levels didn't utilize it very well, but others, they did a fairly good job, and it made it, especially for the PvP battles, it made for some interesting strategy where you like you'd be there would be the initial temptation to try to match flight with flight or match power with power but then you kind of my younger bro my brothers and I as we played the multiplayer mode we kind of found almost this rock paper scissors methodology that was programmed into the versus mode where you could kind of figure out which formation could take out which so for example speed formation actually is really good against flight whereas power kind of beats speed flight good against power but weak against speed and then power good against speed, weak against flight. We kind of discovered that strategy to it that actually made it kind of fun and made it so that you couldn't just uh, stick with one formation to actually get through. And again, it has its problems, especially with some levels with really bad camera, but that's still kind of one of my favorite games where it kind of streamlines a few things. It does away with some of the fluff. I mean, yeah, I know some people like the world exploration from Sonic Adventure, and I know people love the Chow Gardens, but honestly... I kind of like the fact that Heroes didn't have the Chow Gardens. I like they kind of kept it more like a level-based structure because it made it a lot easier to pick up and play, a lot easier to jump back into, especially when you were away from it for a while and not having to go back and see the bulging eyes of the Chows that you've neglected for who knows how many years. <laughs> you know, that's actually one of the strengths I put of Adventure 2 over Adventure because Adventure did Adventure had the hub world, but Adventure 2 just had the straight level-to-level -level progression and the stage select map. See, and I, I don't give any credit to the Chows because I never did them. <laughs> How could you not love the Chow? Um, Didn't you ever I, have a Tamagotchi pet? Yeah, they died. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're, you're talking to the guy who had way too much ADD to, to be able to maintain stuff like that. This, this, this is why early on in my life, I got a puppy, and the puppy was taken away about a year later because it's like, you know, you're you're supposed to be taking care of this puppy and you really aren't. It's it's not that I didn't love the puppy. It's that I had the ADD moment and I I would uh, neglect a lot. So it's one of those hard lessons that we've learned early on. Thankfully, I'm not that bad anymore. But uh, I think we've actually gone over this on Dragon Shadow. I appreciate the Chows in one regard. In the fact that when the Dreamcast version was out, um, because of the Chows is why we got the, um, I can't ever remember it, but it was the VMU. It was the Dreamcast equivalent of the uh, of of the memory card. And so at that point, you actually could get, um, it, yeah, it was like, some, it was like Vimeo or something like that. VMU. Um, yeah, where you could actually link it into the controller and you could actually do Chow Garden stuff with that. I always felt like that was a cool, awesome piece of technology. And on the Dreamcast, I think Adventure and Adventure 2 were the only ones that ever utilized it. Um, aside from the fact that these memory cards could actually, like, they could store uh, memory, like, via pages. And so you could actually do it that way, too. So I'll always appreciate that technical innovation. But, well, especially as a teenager, anything involving side questing, if it wasn't in an RPG, I wasn't doing it. And if and if and if it didn't give me well, Alex or uh, Romney will get the reference, but you won't. If it didn't give me Knights of the Round level power, then I didn't care. So that's that's kind of the 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 difference there. Um, and for those who actually got the reference, you get a gold star and a cookie. So with the best, um, it's one of those things where I wish we didn't have to bring this stuff up, but. Sonic, unlike Mario, has had a lot of fumbles in its lifespan. We've had lots of huge success, or or at least, you know, what, what some people would consider huge, some people would consider marginal, but then we've also had to fumble through the dark times uh, to be able to get 
uh, the refined product that we do get, especially this year when we're going to be getting, we've already, we already do have Sonic Mania in our hands and we're going to get Sonic Forces. So at that point, to you guys and your honest opinion, what do you, what game do you consider to be the lowest point in the Sonic canon? And it can be anything really. Unlike uh, unlike the best, I'm not going to keep this to a 2D, 3D kind of thing because I think we're all pretty much in agreement. Romney can't speak, but I mean, me and, Al- me and Alex will just sit there and go, I can't think of a 2D game because, you know, we don't, th- there really isn't one there. But where is the worst point in the Sonic canon for you and why was it the worst point? Um, and hopefully if they fixed it, you know, you can let you can let people know on that one. And I'm going to go ahead and let Alex start on this one because I have a feeling that he's going to he's going to have some insight. I mean, obvious answer is obvious here because it is, yes, Sonic the Hedgehog 2006 because that game is just an unequivocal mess of a game. I know there is Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric. Well, Rise of Lyric's worst sin is just being really, really boring. And Sonic 06 is actually just fundamentally broken. I I love that concept. You'll forgive its brokenness, but it's boring. Yeah, it's just dull. I mean, Sonic 06 is broken, but it's also entertainingly broken because there's so many fun ways to really break the game. And there's so many hammy moments that we got out of it, such as Silver's constant repeating of it's no use and which in his very obnoxious first boss fight and 06 pretty well, yeah, much I would actually I, to, to add on to that. I would actually dare say here. Here's the reason why 06 works and, and boom doesn't is and this is a weird comparison, but I, I think Alex will get my frame of thought when, when I get there. Um, where 06 was trying to be serious, like serious humor, and came out as hammy, mm-hmm. Boom started out at hammy. <laughs> and, yeah. and therefore, where, where can you go other than, uh, where, where can you go that's lower than hammy? You're not laughing. That is, that is really true, because Boom tries to be very self-referential, ton-in-cheek about itself, which is very much to its detriment because that's really what it relies on so much. But Sonic 06 does try to play itself deadly serious and really yeah. comes off failing at it, too. Because, I, mean, I mean, we're laughing we saw- at it, but they're, like, taking this as serious as a Marvel movie, okay? They're, they're, they're like, yeah. they're taking it super serious. <laughs> they're super serial about this. You know, and 06 pretty... M- I don't want to say it, it is the reason the adventure style is dead, but it is kind of the last game to really utilize the adventure style of gameplay. Essentially, the multiple characters interacting with each other, the cross the cross cross styles of gameplay, treasure hunting, and and speed stages, and of course a hub world harkening back to adventure, where pretty much every game since. Well, Sonic Unleashed has used the format laid down by Unleashed. So I'm, I'm going so, to preface what Alex just barely said with this that we know of, because, again, Forces isn't out yet. So we don't necessarily we have assumptions on what it's going to be like, but we don't based on know the that tra- yet. Based on the trailer, Forces looks to play a lot like, well, like colors, like a little bit of Lost World. I'd say the graphical styles are a lot like Lost World. Yeah, so so uh, at that point, like we'll we'll know when we actually get there. But for all we know, they'll they'll throw in like an adventure storyline too. And I I don't want to I don't want to immediately assume that they, this is where they're going just because based of trailers. Because sometimes we do get thrown left hooks, and and Sega is one of the companies that does it. Yeah, that is true. So. I mean, if I had, if I could think of like a slight dishonorable mention, I don't even really would. I wouldn't even constitute this as a really bad game per se. But there is Sonic Two on the Game Gear slash Master System. Again, I don't think it's particularly a bad game. It's just really stupidly hard. Uh, just I remember that first level is punishing and unforgiving, especially with its boss fight, which is. The first boss fight you ever do is you're thrown into a third act, zero rings, so you go to fight the level boss, you're placed on a slope, and you have to dodge an insta-kill bouncing ball, and also not fall into the little death pit, like, I don't know what it is, it's like a little skull thing that's like moving pincers around, and it's so hard, I mean... I know many people will say it's a lot more tolerable on the Master System, 
based on the version that we got in Gems Collection, I think it was, maybe it was Adventure DX where you could unlock it, it really wasn't much better. The Game Gear Screen Crunch didn't help much, but it certainly, I don't think the improved Master System resolution helped much more either. But again, I don't think Adventure 2, uh, not Adventure 2, sorry, Sonic 2 Game Gear is particularly bad. Just a bit of an outlier black sheep. I think it has a really underrated soundtrack, though, as far as 8-bit Sonic music goes. It's a really great 8-bit soundtrack for our Sonic game. All right. So so you say this is not so much a dishonorable mention. So the, the official dishonorable mention would be Sonic Boom. Yes. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, for me, the the worst point that I've actually come across um, in Sonic Canon, well, it it's got to be a tie a little bit because I, I really like when I played this game, I saw Sonic 06 in the wind and and saw that this was where they were probably going to go. And uh, I know Alex is going to get mad at me for saying this, but um, my low point was Shadow the Hedgehog. And then eventually, and this is why I'm tying it, eventually graduated to Sonic 2006. I'm so glad you bought that off of me. Oh, wait, you didn't buy that off of me. It wasn't worth a dime. Um, (laughs) You just gave it to me. (laughs) Yep, I just gave it to you. I said, get it out of my house. Um and the reason I say that is just because um, if you look at at the way that the storytelling was was going for Shadow the Hedgehog, you could kind of see Sonic 06 in the wind um, where they were going a more serious angle, but they didn't realize what they were actually given here. Um, I mean, it, the, the way I know how to explain it back in the day, it was like to me in my logic, it's like trying to write Mario in the middle of New York City. Oh, wait, that's happening later this year. <laughs> um, I guess I've already just determined that Sonic uh, Super Mario Odyssey will be bad. Uh, but no, it, it was it was trying to take itself way too seriously. And Sonic has been serious in the past, but it's always had that. So it's had that referential happy go lucky kind of nature that's about as flippant as the hedgehog himself. So at that point, that's why I'm saying like with shadow, the hedgehog and the way it was written, you could literally see Sonic 06 happening. You could, especially considering Uh, how they not too much of a jump. Yeah. Especially considering how they backpedaled on what I thought was a pretty good plot twist. I mean, when I, cause again, another, it was another Christmas present when I got shadow, the hedgehog. And I thought the plot twist of, Oh, the, the shadow we've been playing as an Android created by Eggman. I thought, that's actually a really good plot twist. Completely undone by the last story because all because, oh no, it's actually really Shadow. And I'm just like, you didn't even have the balls, Sega. You didn't even have the balls. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, I, I even saw that ending. I'm like, oh, wait, this is a whole new twist on Metal Sonic. This is amazing. And then, no. okay. yeah, I won't. You know, Shadow the Hedgehog might constitute a guilty pleasure for me. I still will defend the game to an extent. I'll I'll definitely agree. The writing is awful because it just it's trying to tie up a lot of loose ends from Adventure 2, but in the process just ends up opening way more plot holes than it needs to be. But I still found the game relatively enjoyable. The get because it uses the health bar mechanics from Sonic Heroes there so I like the gun mechanics because that you really made a lot of quick work of the bosses. I liked the whole Chaos Blast and Chaos Boost, especially the Chaos Boost because it would propel you through the stage. But at the same time, it would never be as so low as to drop you over a bottomless pit or anything dumb like that. No, that came later in Sonic 06. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that came later. But the Sonic, the Sonic, Jesus, not Sonic, the Chaos, the Chaos Whatever it was called, jeez. You could tell I haven't played the game in a while. Right, where it would speed you along through the chaos stage. Control. I always thought I always found that really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was the chaos control, yeah. you're right. Cause so that was always fun. Because and again, it always stopped you right where it needed to. It never threw you into an enemy. It never dropped you over a pit. So it was always a great way to make quick work of certain stages. But Shadow has flaws, but I still think 06 handles everything a lot worse because 06 is a bad story and well, very broken, bad gameplay. Yeah, and and that's why I'm saying like with the writing, you could easily see Sonic 06 in the wind um, from Shadow the Hedgehog. I, I know that um, I'm trying to remember. Did Heroes come out before Shadow? Yeah. Heroes yeah, so, yeah so so then at that point then, then we had the writing just kind of go downhill from there and and unfortunately I, I would actually dare say and we we 
we've debated this numerous times, Alex, but I, I like aside from gems here and there, I don't think the writing really has recovered. Um, it's it's branched off into new and interesting paths, but it hasn't necessarily recovered. Um, Romney, what did what would you consider to be your worst point in the Sonic universe? Well, aside from the obvious that's already been thoroughly shellacked by Alex, I'm actually trying to rack my brain to think if there was like a close second because. Again, 06 was the start of the dark times. It was also an unfortunate casualty of what, of what I like to call the year that Nintendo ruined Christmas. Because, <laughs> again, this was... I've told this story in passing before, but this was the Christmas where nobody came out looking good, and it all started because of Nintendo's practice of creating a shortage of Wiis, and it abated to keep the Xbox 360. My older brother begged us to try to go into the GameStop and find one game that we would try to play on the Xbox so that way we would actually keep it instead of returning it or selling it. And one of the the game that my younger brother chose, we both chose Sega games, oddly enough. I chose Fantasy Star Universe, and he chose Sonic 06. <laughs> you know the, iro the ironic thing is I think I've heard Sonic 06 marginally functions better on the 360 than the PS3 Yes, which is yes. again all the more ironic considering they had a little more time to work on the PS3 well, the, the, edition the difference is um, the game breaking bugs in the 360 version are actually somewhat manageable they're not they're not as game breaking as they were on the on the PS3 yeah so I guess the closest second that I could think of, at least in terms of Sonic games that I just did not enjoy, would probably have to be the Game Gear games. And the first time I've tried them was it, they were unlockable through Sonic Adventure DX. And the first couple of the first, the port of the first game is like, okay, it's fun, it's okay. Then Sonic 2 is like, okay, it's okay. Sonic Drift, I basically started checking out because I'm just like, okay, this is, this is nothing. And then came Sonic Labyrinth, which was, okay, you have Sonic no longer able to run fast. Okay. Yes. And so... Yeah, bas basically, if, if people have never played Sonic Labyrinth before, think of a very, 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 very early concept for Sonic 3D Blast. That's what mm, Labyrinth is. Not really. Labyrinth... I don't know how to describe Labyrinth, really. Maybe a little... I think Labyrinth's a little more super like proto super monkey ball because you're always you're always more having to spin around you're having to spin around the stage as opposed to sonic 3d blast which is a really awkward isometric attempt at a platformer also i'd put that in the guilty pleasure well, i would sector, say labyrinth but... is compared to that because of the isometric view and, and yeah, where they, the where they initially experimented with that but there is there's a bit more there is i think it's like called sonic triple trouble and that's more of the 3D Blast equivalent for the Game Gear, because I actually tried the 3D sprites, and it just made everything so awkward in yep. that game. And I guess, like, the closest the, the closest console release in terms of a Sonic game that I did stop playing just because I did not have fun, and I know some Sonic fans are probably going to want to punch me for this, but that would have to be Sonic Spinball. I mean, it sounds like a cool idea, a pinball-based game themed around Sonic the Hedgehog, but the part that kept getting me was the way you had to launch yourself, where it's a case of, oh, we're going to have you control Sonic like you would in the normal games, and then you have to jump into the pinball thing. In my mind, I'm just thinking, just just have it start like a normal pinball machine. I mean, especially just given just how impossible it was to beat that dang first level. I mean, first you have to hit these bumpers yeah. and just like, okay, so is the goal to rack up points? Is the goal to get the Chaos Emerald? You're not giving me enough to work here, game. I mean, yeah, it's pinball, it's fun, but... I, I, what is the point? What am I after? Is it points? Is it the emerald? I don't know. Sonic, that game is unforgiving. Sonic Spinball to me is the, and this may sound very narrow-minded, but it is the sole reason why whenever like a video game franchise will have a pinball game come out, I will never ever play it. Um, if there is a video game series-based pinball machine, I will never ever go near it. In fact, I'm I almost get like this hatred like I want to go pummel the crap out of it. Um and it's all because of freaking Sonic Spinball. I tried so hard in that game to beat it and I eventually just like I mean, I so so here's a, another interesting story. I got kicked out of a GameStop once 
And the reason I got kicked out was because this hatred happened when I saw Metroid Prime f- pinball for the first time. <laughs> and uh, I was a teenager, so you guys might have to forgive me on this, but I saw the game and I literally like, okay, this is back when GameStop, like they didn't put the cartridges or the discs in the covers that were out on the sales floor, right? So you got to realize I didn't do any damage, but I got so mad that... I picked that thing up and I just beat the living crap out of that cover. I beat, I beat it senseless. Um, I like, I, I'm not, I'm kind of surprised that my hands didn't bleed from how many times I punched this thing. And eventually the, I didn't get kicked out, but the employee literally looked me in the eye and said, you need to leave kid. You know, (laughs) I got that. I got that look that you get like, you've done enough, you know? And uh, eventually I, I, I left and uh, I actually remember not going back to that GameStop for like a good six months, which was my um, my local one at the time. Not the one you're thinking of, Alex, but my local right. one at the time, because I didn't want to go back and have that incident again. <laughs> Just, it, pardon, pardon the phrase here, but it, it occurred. It, it ignited in me a real primal rage. <laughs> so thanks, Sonic Spinball. How many game stores have you been banned from at this point? Like two. <laughs> Both are game stops. So yeah. it's not necessarily that I so I, I got I got shooed out by that one guy and then I got kicked out, but more I walked out because it was again the, the whole I think I told this story on the podcast before, but uh, like for a long time, I wasn't going to GameStops anymore because when I went over to pick up my copy of Final Fantasy 12 and I was excited for it. Uh, I had that one guy who was trying to, because I I think it was Vice City or it was a Grand Theft Auto game that had come out around the time of Final Fantasy XII. And this guy was trying to shove that down my throat enough so that he actually called me. uh, He he said I wasn't a gamer because I was playing this namby-pamby Final Fantasy game and not real men's games like Grand Theft Auto. So at that point... um, him and me did have some words and I eventually just uh, eventually the manager stepped in and said, look, we're not supposed to do this, but come here. You're like two minutes away from the from the release. So come here, pay for your game, get the hell out. <laughs> and and that's what happened there. So there you go. Only two stores, but yeah, I've walked out of plenty of game stores. Yeah, I, I know those types. I remember back in my high school, I was actually on the. In the high school news class, I was on the video game beat, and I would get into so many arguments because I liked JRPGs and strategy games, but wouldn't play any real games like Call of Duty and Dead Space. Yeah, exactly, and that that always frustrated me for the longest time. I actually would, uh, my my uh, my best friend actually worked at a, at a game peddler, and he would get that crowd a lot and i would i'd be the guy if i was coming to visit he would be like oh no don't don't come and visit because i'd have arguments with these guys and i would have no issue saying that i had arguments with them and actually no that would be the technical third kicking out because his boss came in one day and he kicked me out of the store so there you go yeah That, that happened but anyway back to sonic um yeah because i don't want this to all be you know drek is drek has a really weird childhood and why on earth is he still alive uh because well i have that question too um the next thing that i will actually want to get into is you know sonic is is actually one of those very few franchises that has breached past games um they've actually been able to get a tv series going in fact uh there's been sonic movies rumored for years um like i remember at one point um I think Universal wanted the license, but uh, couldn't didn't want to pay for it, or didn't want to pay the amount Sega wanted for it. Uh, obviously, the Eddie LeBron indie Sonic movie was rumored for a while there. And if you guys don't know who Eddie LeBron is, he did a indie movie of Mega Man way back when that was okay. Um, and so a lot of people liked the idea of him doing Sonic the Hedgehog. The problem was the budget was immediately killed because he wanted Jaleel White to play Sonic. And his budget wasn't all that great. And I think Jalil pretty much killed it. <laughs> so considering how I think they were going for like a two, two full hour movie um, or a full two hour movie for it. And Jalil's budget was what killed the the movie there. And even now to this day, I hear of like DreamWorks would like to pick up Sonic the Hedgehog and, and other companies would like to pick it up. So at that point, 
first of all, what do you, what do you consider to be the best uh, entry into other media that Sonic has had? Um, if you if you want to step outside of TV, you're able to do that. Uh, but then also, like, do you do you in your honest assessment? I'm going to go off the assumption that Sonic Boom is canceled. Okay, because I haven't heard anything recently on that doing well on Cartoon Network. But do you honestly think, like, should Sega, if they have the money, continue to pursue TV series, movies, things like that with Sonic? Or do you think that's a bad idea in that case? Um, let's go ahead and start off with Romney here. Uh, so so your, what you consider to be the best outing that they've done with that? And do you consider that to be something that Sonic could, should consider in the future? Well, to answer the second part first... To be honest, the uh, the fours into other media are probably what are probably the things that are keeping Sonic as a franchise alive, because even when you had the various bad games, some of these other outings, because I mean, between the TV shows like Sonic Sat AM, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic X, Sonic Boom, out of all of them, I think the best iteration outside of games is probably the comics. Now, granted... The comics, they're a bit inaccessible. They do have a great deal of lore you have to kind of wade through. Luckily, the Archie comic digests that they started selling in supermarkets make it easier to at least pick up and read Sonic comics. And it's a case of, okay, well, it's basically doing what superhero comics used to do, where they're just fun, exciting stories that aren't trying to, you know, bog themselves down with a bunch of pointless social commentary. The comics sometimes, when, when they hit their stride, the comics are really fun comics to read and really enjoyable and are probably... It very much it shows a great deal of more respect for some of the ideas that the games have introduced than even Sega has been willing to give them. I mean, think of all these side characters that have more or less been, for lack of a better term, killed off or exiled that the comics have more or less kept alive and relevant. Granted, people have, like, lampooned the fact that those characters mysteriously disappear, but the comics found a way to still keep them relevant while not necessarily, like, giving them their own series, it's very much a case of, okay, well, yeah, they're still part of this universe, they're just off doing their own thing, and occasionally you see some of the adventures with them, with, like, Mighty the Armadillo, or the other members of Chaotix. And so, out of all of it, the comics are probably the best non-game Sonic media out there, and this is coming from someone who used to be a diehard fan of Sonic X until the second half, where they were back in their world, you had Chris coming through the portal, but he was an adult, but then he became a kid again. That was where the series started going downhill in that regard. So the best non-game media outing for Sonic has to be the comics. Yeah, I completely neglected to to mention the Archie comics run. I mean, for crying out loud, you can actually say that not only was Archie able to keep Sonic relevant all of these years, but uh, also Mega Man to an extent, because, I mean, Capcom's never doing anything with that franchise, and, and the, the recognition that the Archie run has gotten, including the merger that they did, because I think it was Sonic Sonic uh, meets Mega Man. Yeah, there so was, that was amazing to be able to see. Well, yeah, because they did Worlds Collide, and then there was a sequel series to that as well. I, I don't know what the sequel one was called, but I know, like, the first one was called Worlds Collide, which was basically, well, it basically took what would basically be a video game story, the villains of both Mega Man and Sonic teaming up to take over the world, and, well, Sonic and Mega Man having to team up to face said baddies. It pretty much, it's something that you could see as a game. They just said, well, we're not game developers, so we'll do it as a comic. Exactly. So, uh, I would actually dare say my favorite entry into the sonic canon outside of games um i do like the archie run but i will always have a soft spot in my heart for sonic sat am i oh i've always loved that show i um i actually do have that series I, I was thinking like do i have that series yeah i do um just because of the amazing decisions that they did with that i mean when you think about the games robotnik or eggman whatever you want to call him it's always been kind of a comic uh, a comic villain kind of thing. But same thing with Bowser. Um, this one actually decided, no, we're going to go the serious angle. We're going to make Darth Vader with a mustache. And, and it worked out so well. And also having the expanded amount of characters, which I think were inspired by the Archie comics, uh, the characters like Sally, uh, Antoine and all of them came from there first. And I then we got the sad AM Actually, the Sat AM show actually was the opposite. It was the Sat AM show first, and then the comics were meant okay. to tie in with Sat AM, and then they kept the story going after the series was canceled. 
There you go. So, uh, Satayam always holds a, a soft spot in my heart. I, I love a lot of the stories that they've actually been able to pull off. And uh, this has actually been to my detriment because I don't know how many people have come out in YouTube comment sections and said, You like Satayam, Erico, you like Sally, Erico, you're a furry. Um, and I, I don't know how you got that leap, leap in logic, but you got there. And I guess I appreciate that. Uh, do I think that they should continue in media? I, I'm usually the proponent of as long as you have a good story and you have a good idea behind it, I have no problem at least giving it a shot. So, I mean, if they wanted to do a whole new Sonic series, I mean, I gave, I gave boom a shot and I thought boom was actually really good considering the comedic factor. Just if they wanted, if you wanted boom to be a serious series, it wasn't going to be. Uh, and I was, and I was okay with that. Um, so I'm always usually the pro proponent of like, if you have an idea, put it out there and let, let me see it. And then I'll, I'll determine whether or not it, it works. I mean, for crying out loud, I didn't have a problem with the ratchet and clank movie. And I knew nothing about that series until that movie. Um, Alex, where do you stand on it? Like what's, what's the best media outing outside of video games? And do you think that they should continue that uh, formula? Well, most of my knowledge of any of their extra media outside the games is mostly just been the, whatever's on TV. I've never read any of the comics myself, so I can't really comment on those. <clears throat> as as for sort of a favorite, I suppose, yeah, I, of course. I grew up with Sonic the Sad AM show, and I loved it back then. And yes, contrary to me busting Drax chops on a stream a couple weeks ago, I still do like it. I still, I still enjoy it. I st it still holds a real soft spot in my heart, and... I still like it. I just, but you know what else holds a soft spot in my heart is the weekday afternoon series. Chalk it up to nostalgia, chalk it up to rose tinted glasses, all you want. I still like it. It's still, again, another soft spot in my heart. It's sort of, I don't know how to, the best way to describe it really, but it's just sort of like you get the two dynamics. You get the fun one and then you get the serious one. And it's just, it's, uh, I don't know, match made in heaven, I suppose. It's just because they're different shows and they're different times, and it's like neither one is stepping on each other's toes, so whatever. And I always equate, I, I like to equate the weekday afternoon series to basically it's Sonic meets Bugs Bunny, because a lot of this, it's a lot of the same style of humor, it's a lot of the same kind of situations almost. And so that's why I really like it, because I did grow up quite a bit with, like, Looney Tune cartoons, Mary Medley's in the early mornings before having to go off to school. I would say it's more along the lines of, like, Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner, because they like, yeah, they like doing Coyote, that kind Roadrunner, of... Absolutely. They like kind of doing that storyline. That too, yeah. Just, uh... So, a bit of those. So it just kind of reminds me of old Looney Tunes that I would watch before school, even though I think I was watching Sonic weekday afternoons as, a, like, a preschooler. So, and if, <laughs> so there and you if go. he only waited a half hour longer, he would have gotten the exposure to Samurai Pizza Cats. Maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the problem when you're such a little kid. You're just on a all over the place kind of schedule. So as to should they really continue? I say, yeah. Uh, I think I really think just sticking their guns to animation is always their best bet. I'd like to see another sort of run at basing something on the comics. I always wondered why we never got Knuckles in the sad AM shows. Like, when are we going to get Knuckles? When are we going to get Knuckles? Of course, i too young to know that, sorry, the show's canceled. You're never going to get Knuckles in the sad AM show. Yep. They, they, um, they saved him for Sonic Underground, which... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which... I gotta say that the ROM hacks based on Sonic Underground aren't too bad. Yeah, but, and I'll, and I'll well, say this: as a concept, Underground has a good idea. But if you're going to make a show with music being the major component, you gotta make sure the songs actually sound good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely. So with so we've covered all that, and actually we're running out of time a little bit, and I I don't want to necessarily go too long, but. The, the best way to kind of wrap up the podcast, <laughs> at least for Sonic, is that, first of all, I, I have a feeling we're all on this panel hoping that we're, we don't see the end of Sonic the Hedgehog anytime soon. We we don't see, like, you know, that one big failure that just that drags Sega down with it. 
kind of thing. We really don't want to see that happen. However, we have to acknowledge the good and the bad. Now, we do already have Sonic Mania in our hands. I don't know if every single one of us has played it. I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, so me and Alex can attest that, like, this is this is a step in the right direction. But we also have Sonic Forces, and we don't necessarily know what's in the future for Sonic the Hedgehog. And so at that point, if you were... It, so the way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this is... Um, do you have, first of all, do you have hope for where Sonic the Hedgehog is going in the future? Do you hope to be able to see it as an awesome franchise that continues on for as long as it can possibly go? And if you were in the boardroom, when they make decisions for a brand new Sonic game, what would be that number one thing you think they need to do to bring Sonic back to his heyday? And I, I think I think we got to start off with the expert here. So, Alex... If you were in the boardroom, what would be that one thing you would tell them that they absolutely need to do to bring Sonic back from the from the grave? Oh, good luck, because our fan base is so divisive at this point. I'm not sure that we'll ever well, be the, able the to. The fan base is never going to agree with you on what you pick. Yes. Even the people who agree with you are immediately going to say, well, that's how I would want to do it. So you're, you're free on this one. We're giving you the free pass. Yeah. So as terms of personal preference... I'm going to join a chorus, even though people will be like, ha ha, you were so dumb. But yes, I do want a true proper Adventure 3 with this back to the old similar gameplay style. Even though I don't hate the boost to win formula entirely, I don't hate a lot of the mechanics set by Unleashed, but I do just kind of miss some of the old adventure mechanics. I'd love so I'd love to make a game similar to Adventure 2 back to the kind of old rock soundtracks. I mean, we've still had some rocks splurt, uh, splattered here and there, but I feel like a lot of it's been replaced by more standard or like MIDI orchestral synth orchestral type music or auto-tuned cash cash songs. Um, so I just, I would like more, I'd like to just see that kind of go back to the proper adventures formula and i'm not saying it has to be exactly like it right i wouldn't mind like shaking up some of the gameplay elements it doesn't have to be treasure hunting or and mech stages all over again or god forbid fishing again but just sort of again in that style the multiple characters converge onto one grand story where you become supersonic and take down the ultimate evil once till the next adventure okay um for me, it's it's fairly simple. I mean, I've always I've always said that this way, but I'm going to add an extra little bit here because I can solve it for you, too. And that is. I've always like I'm not going to get into the whole character argument, because the way that I'm I'm assuming on this angle is like you can solve this by doing this um, is level design. Level design has always been kind of an issue when it comes to Sonic the Hedgehog, especially when we made the transition to 3D. Um, I, I would actually dare say like very few game franchises have made a clean, uh, break to 3d. All of them have had issues, but a lot of them have, uh, a lot of them have moved past those issues and been better. Um, Mario, like Mario has been able to do that. Sonic, not so much. Sonic has still had some hiccups here and there in their level design. So I would, I would constantly be hammering the whole level design thing, level design, learn how to do level design, learn how to do 3d level design, 2d, 2d all of that stuff so that we know how to make these right. And my solution is very simple. You have a bunch of indie developers who are making ROM hacks and fan games right now that are amazing at level design. You want to know how I know that Sonic mania, Sonic mania was made by one of these guys and he got hired by Sega to do remakes and all that fun stuff. So there's your solution. If you want to have ideal level design, bring in these guys who have made these awesome levels and that's going to be the way to be able to keep Sonic going, uh, I think, both in 2D as well as 3D. And here's the thing. I think if they actually do fix that that concept, Alex, you might get it, Adventure 3, and maybe even an Adventure 4, if they can actually make that work. If they can finally make that smooth transition into 3D. Uh, Romney, to wrap things up, what would if you were in the boardroom at Sega, what would be the first thing that you would say that they could do to reinvigorate the Sonic franchise. Well, aside from making sure they set aside enough time for quality assurance, because that would be the first suggestion, is make sure you get all the bugs worked out before you ship it out the door. I think this is a given, yes. Yes, and especially <laughs> with the camera, because we've all have encountered the demon of bad camera angles in one way, shape, or form when it comes to Sonic. 
But in fact, you know what? Gaming industry quality assurance. Look it up. Yeah. And so the two big things for me, like firstly, the music, you've got to make sure the music is good. Because again, the Sonic franchise, even the bad games had really good music. Even 06 still had really good music. And so that's the first important thing is making sure you have really good, really catchy music because the Hollywood style fake score thing, that's not memorable. It's just boring. And the second thing, and it reminds me of the main thing that I liked about Sonic Adventure. And if they were to try to do an Adventure 3, here's the main thing that they kind of need to remember. You don't necessarily need to have it where all of the stories are fully interconnected in the sense that one character's plotline directly affects another. You just have it where things intersect. And again, one of the reasons why E102 E like E102 Gamma is one of my favorite characters from Adventure is because you had most of the other characters that are like telling these very like happy, like action-packed sort of stories, but then you have this character come along whose story is a great deal more somber. It's almost self-reflective. It's a lot darker, but it's darker done right, where it's not like, oh, we're gonna do Grimdor like Shadow the Hedgehog. It's literally, oh. One of Eggman's robots has become aware of itself and is now and is basically aware of what's powering the robots. So he's basically just like, okay, my mission now is to destroy all these other robots in this series so that it can free the other members of my family. And it doesn't explicitly state it. That's the beauty of it. It doesn't straight up say, oh, my family is trapped in there. It's just like, you just have the memory flash and he's just like, new mission, next target, E-104 Delta. And you see him go through each, like, each robot in the E-series leading up to his fight the final battle against beta and just that final battle just all of the emotions all almost without dialogue even just the sheer drama of it is literally brother against brother like fighting you basically have the one brother that was pretty much neglected and remodified by eggman because he lost the initial test battle then souped up and powerful and then at the end of the battle like i remember like i was actually moved where you literally have it where dealt is beta is defeated and then the next thing you know, Gamma literally falls apart and explodes. And you're just like, wait, what? But then you see the two flickies that were trapped in the in the respective robots fly off. And it's just like, oh, they're they're free. It's I guess to kind of bring it home, you need to know it's not just about like what message you're trying to convey. You need to make sure that the story you're telling with your game, even if whether it's an adventure node or not, you need to be mindful of what emotions you're trying to invoke. And Adventure was really good at that. I'm not saying you have to be like Hideo Kojima, but just something simple as knowing what type of emotions you're trying to evoke and making sure that if you're going to have a game where you're playing as different characters, have those experiences feel different. I mean, that's another reason why the Adventure games work so well is that, okay, when you're playing as a different character, it's not like, oh, you're not just playing as Sonic with a tail skin or Sonic with a knuckle skin. Each character plays differently and so that's something that I think they really need to embrace more. I mean, I know some people don't like the whole, oh, well, we don't care about Sonic's friends, but I think it's more just because you need to actually make the experiences feel more self-contained, feel unique enough to make them interesting. You basically want to make it so that they could be games on their own, but they're part of a much larger whole that is the Sonic universe. Yeah, I think you you hit that nail on the head right there. I mean, like the the gamma experience is one of the most unique uh, unique aspects of Sonic Adventure, just because of how the atmosphere feels to it. In fact, one of the things I really love about it is um, when you compare him to the other characters, he is the only one that gets a instrumental theme. He does not get any you know any kind of lyrics or anything like that, and it's all cold and robotic, and that's the way it should be. Because even when he when he comes to these realizations he is still very cold and robotic uh, on the matter. And and I also liked what you had to say with the with the character problem, because that's that's really kind of my argument overall is like, if we're going to have characters in this series, if we're going to have 30 characters in this thing. Let's make them mean something. Let's make them actually have impacts in the universe kind of thing. And to me, there's just too many in there that I don't feel have an impact or they have they have too similar an impact to another. Yeah, that that's one of the reasons. Because, like, E-102 is my favorite, but when I saw that they came out with E-123, I was mad. I'm just like, you are literally undoing the impact of that storyline just so you can have another E-series You're, you're undoing it by trying to recreate it. And that, that's the problem there. Mm-hmm. It, like, it, it pissed me off. It genuinely did. Like, that's the one of the least favorite things of Sonic Heroes is that I looked at that, and I'm just like, oh, 
they saw that the character was popular, and so like, oh, it's it's like E-102. Never mind the fact that the actual emotional weight of the fact that it's flickies that are inside these robots, which apparently Sega has been forgetting that. Oh, these robots. Yeah, Eggman puts animals inside them. That's how they run. That's kind of the main reason why Sonic is fighting him. You're kind of forgetting that little tidbit. It's kind of important. Yep. Yep, and then we got the Hideo Kojima bots in in Sonic 06 that didn't even have animals running them. All right. Well, I think we've had an awesome discussion for Sonic the Hedgehog. And once again, happy anniversary to Sonic the Hedgehog. And I hope that we have many, many, many more years to come with Sega as well as Sonic. I really, as much as I speak negative on the franchise, it's one of those things that I never, ever want a franchise to die. Um, I always want them going out swinging. And especially in the case of Sonic, where I really want to have those great games that I know that Sega and Sonic Team are more than capable of developing. But we keep on getting held back by either bad level design, really, really weird writing, things like that. So I'm really hoping that we can start solving those equations in the future. And I'm hopeful. I mean, Sonic Mania looked amazing. Forces... I mean, I make fun of Sonajora, you know, the, the new enemy, as well as the creative character. But I, I look at it and go, you know, I really hope that this is as much of a generation's knockoff as it kind of looks. And a, and a colors and a colors knockoff because colors was amazing. <clears throat> Those were really good level design uh, schemes. So I'm, I'm at least hopeful for it but uh we need to wrap things up so thank you guys so much for watching this episode of why we geek for the month of august um if you guys want to leave suggestions for these you can make sure to do so at whywegeek at gmail.com but if you want to get a hold of us individually first of all you can reach me on twitter at drac2326 as well as check out all my youtube content uh, on my channel, Drac2326, and check out all the reviews, vlogs. You can even check out a Drac Tries that I just barely did with the Shadow Blazer, uh, which also went into our channel, Drac and Shadow, for Sonic Mania. So you guys can check that out. And uh, Alex, how do people get a hold of you if they want to discuss Sonic and all those other things awesome? Well, the best place to find me, of course, is YouTube, where I am known as ShadowBlazer3000. Most of my channel does revolve around anime content, anime reviews, and so on and so forth. The occasional Let's Play here and there. And if you want to follow me on social media, just follow me on Twitter at AlexJShort. All right. And then Stephen Romney, if people want to get a hold of you and share their input on the Sonic, on the Sonic franchise as well as get yours... On their feedback, how did they get a hold of you? Well, you can always find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash studioghostutah. You can also find me on vidme at vid.me slash studioghost. I am also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Reviews, no apostrophe. And I am also on Twitter at RomneyReviews. All right. And once again, thank you guys so much for coming in and enjoying this. Another great episode of Why We Geek. And you guys can stay tuned for the next episode of September, where unfortunately you guys are going to have to wait until it actually comes out before you see what it's about. So thank you guys again so much for continuing to like, comment, subscribe to our individual channels, as well as contributing to this podcast, because I know it's been a really great hit with you guys, and I hope to continue it on in the future. But till then, till September, we'll see you guys next time for more Why We Geek.